Hello, welcome to Why Not Me. In life, we face many trials and obstacles, many challenges, and in the thick of it, we can be tempted to think, why me? But every obstacle presents an opportunity and every trial can bring triumph. So I want to encourage you to adapt a mindset of, why not me? When, when in the middle of it, when things are tough, look around and think, why not me? It's, it's happening for a purpose. And then when success is at your doorstep and all you have to do is open it, you may find yourself hesitating, questioning, is this for me? Do I deserve this? And I want to encourage you to adapt a mindset of why not me? Throw the door open wide, shout to the world, why not me? Embrace your success. I'm your coach, Todd Halls. I'm grateful to have you on this journey. Welcome to Why Not Me. Hello, hello. Welcome to Why Not Me, turning trials into triumphs, seeking and embracing success. This is your host, Coach Todd Halls. I am grateful, so grateful to be here today and grateful that you uh, take, are taking the time to tune in and listen. So listeners, thank you so much for being here. Uh, I am excited and happy to have our guest on today. I'm excited to see where the conversation takes us. Today we have with us Eric Ryan Jones. I know Eric as a fellow system and soul coach. That's where we met in in our uh, in the coaching family of system and soul. In addition to being a system and soul coach, Eric is a husband of two amazing daughters. He, I'm sorry, he's a husband of amazing wife, dad to two amazing daughters. Uh, he spent 15 years in software development. He's had a heart for coaching his whole life. Uh, he and his wife uh, jointly do some marital and premarital coaching in addition to the business coaching he does and so much more. And I can't wait for him to to unpack a little bit more of that for us. Eric, welcome to the show. What did I miss? Um, not a lot. I mean, that was a pretty good introduction. You know, uh, I, I appreciate that. I'm, I'm glad to see that my words are heard, you know, and I think that's something we all struggle with sometimes is, you know, there, there's so many words out there in the universe and we don't always get heard. So thank you for that. It was great. Of course, of course, of course. Um, let's talk about coaching and consulting uh, because you've used both terms. Uh, as we, as we talked before we came on today, you mentioned being a coach, being a consultant. How yep. do they, so how, are, are they different? Are they the same? What's, what's the overlap? Let's unpack that a little bit. Yeah, I mean, for me, a consultant is someone that has most of the answers or at least portrays themselves as having all the answers. I know that as a consultant, you know, I, I usually would go into an organization and uh, be like, oh, we got a solution for that. We got a solution for that. And, you know, what they're doing is they're going back to their organization and they do have a solution for it. They're grabbing a team, they're pulling people together and they're crafting a great solution and they're bringing to you a solution, which is awesome. You know, and sometimes you just need that kind of guidance. For me, though, a coach is someone who's like, they don't have all the answers, but they have all the questions. They have all the curiosity. Um, and then they have they can take that and help you go down that journey and that path of finding what works for you. So they're a lot more flexible, a lot more adaptive to what it is that you need. And as we go through it, I'm going to use my experience to really highlight and pull out areas that I think are going to be beneficial, but that doesn't mean you have to do them. Whereas a consultant, you pay lots of money for a solution that you're going to go implement either way. With a coach, you're going to pay money to get ideas, hopefully multiple ideas, and you pick the path and choice that you want to go down with and everything. So the coaching sound and, and relying on my own knowledge of it as well, but in, 
by your definition. So you're you're bringing the right questions. You're allowing your um, your leader or whoever you're working with to really explore the ideas in their own head and and just kind of draw out what the wisdom that they have inside. Yeah, I mean, we all kind of have the answers. I mean, as a consultant, it's amazing how many times I gave a solution that was sitting right in front of somebody. But the fact that I was a consultant that was paid to come up with that solution, it was a much much better idea. Um, on the flip side of that, I've also been an employee that used consultants where I would go to my leadership and be like, hey, I really think we need to do A, B, and C. And for whatever reason, it would get passed over or not happen. But if I went and talked to my consulting partners and said, hey, I think we need to do A, B, and C. Can you partner with me and let's let's make this happen. It always happened as it would be. It was, it was this weird idea that of going on, but we all know the answers a lot of times. Sure. Just got to sort through the noise. Exactly. And that's really where a coach is great. I love that sort through the noise because that's really what a coach is helping you to do. It's, it's helping you to kind of uh, put everything on the table, clear the thoughts, help figure out, well, what's good. You know, you know, we got that kill, keep combined that we do, you know, like what's something that we want to keep, what's something we want to get rid of? How can we combine these ideas and just getting it down to that laser focused thing of like, yes, that's what I needed all along. And it was there. You just needed someone to kind of coach you through the process of getting to that point and, and being able to realize it. Yeah. Yeah. And so how long would you say you've been coaching? Gosh, I've been coaching all my life. You know, if I was to be, if you want to be, if you want to use the general term, you know, back in, in middle school, high school, uh, I was a relationship coach to all my friends, i.e. the guy that was always the friend, you know, hey, can we just be friends type person? Um, and then, but I had such an insight with people and I've always been very intuitive with people and being able to read, you know, how they're inflecting things, how they're saying. And I've also been a wordsmith as well. I love writing and I've always been really good at writing. So I was able to combine those and help my friends to, you know, write, uh, love notes to their girlfriends and things like that. And that's kind of like where it got started as it would be. Uh, and then from there, I've just always been someone that's eager to listen and offer a different perspective. Not necessarily advice, you know, uh, I'm not out there to give advice or tell you what to do, but to give you a different perspective by listening to what you're really saying and then asking those questions that dive in and get a little bit deeper as to it. So I use that in my 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 years as a developer. Uh, I, I was a coach to other developers, a mentor in that sense. I got into agile coaching and consulting and spent a lot of the time helping organizations transform into agile organizations. Uh, move away from project-based work to product-based work, you know, all on the technical IT side of the house, uh, business marketing transformations, those kind of things. Um, but always there, again, as the coach, just trying to kind of help guide them down this journey and really help them go through and get to where they are. And and just recently, I've, I've formalized this into the the Renovate Leadership and doing the business-style coaching and, and really helping small organizations really achieve the goals and dreams that they always set out to do. Yeah. How'd you, so Renovate Leadership is the name of your company. Why? Tell me about the name. Where did that come from? Man, I struggled with this name for so long, trying to come up with something that I felt really ex embodied and exuded what I was trying to do. And I, I don't know, I, I got to thinking about some of the past people I've worked with. And there was just one person that I worked with that worked at Home Depot. And um, while he was at Home Depot, the leader there would actually take these mini hammers and take a Sharpie and he'd write on the mini hammer like, hey, great job doing blah. And he'd hand it out as a reward to people and everything. 
So I was like, oh, that's such a cool idea. I wonder if there's something I could do that would play off that hammer idea because we're building something here with your with your company. We're reshaping it. And as I started playing with the words, I did what I always do nowadays, which is throw it in the chat GPT and said, hey, buddy, um, help me figure out some things. And he it spat back all these different words. And one of the words that stuck to me was renovate and renovation. And I love that idea because you think about it when you have a house or a business that you're going to renovate, you know, you're going to put in a new kitchen, a new bathroom, you're going to renovate your shop or your front windows. You don't tear the whole thing down to the ground. You don't destroy it and start over. You go in and identify what really works for us. What are the strong pieces? What are the real foundations? And then you take that and you look at your plans of what do you want? Where do I really want this bathroom sink to be? Where would I really like my kitchen island to be? And then you start to marry the two and blend them together and figure out how do I go from there to here? And that may mean you move some piping, you add some new fixtures, you do this, you do that. So you're renovating it. You're, you're going in. That's what I want to do with leadership. The same thing. I think we're all born to be leaders at some capacity. You know, not all of us are born to be CEOs. I'm definitely not born to be a CEO, um, but I'm, I am definitely a great manager. And I believe that we can go in and take anybody that's rough around the edges or any organization that's rough around the edges and figure out, okay, well, what works really well for you? How do we renovate that and give you something even better going forward? Yeah, love that. Yeah, and love the example because I, I can picture it in, in a house being renovated. I can also picture it in the in a business. And I'm thinking of some of the businesses I've worked with, and that's exactly that's exactly the process. Like, you know, we don't like this countertop. Let's do something that's going to serve us better and just make things more efficient. So, cool, cool. You mentioned... Um, so you, you, it's, it's renovate leadership, right? And so leadership's a big part of it. And um, uh, I'm part of the, so I'm part of the Maxwell leadership. That's w one of the um, organizations that I'm I've paired with. And John Maxwell says that leadership is influence, nothing more, nothing less. So really in every interaction, there's, there's leadership taking place. And there's leadership taking place, you could say right now, um, by the yep. questions I'm asking, uh, it's influencing the conversation, right? Um, when and, and we've all seen really great leaders, and we've all seen really weird um, examples of leadership. And I always think of the the, and this is from my own experience, but I'm not going to use my son. But you think of the mom or the dad in the grocery store, and the kids misbehaving, right? And maybe it's a four year old, and they throw a tantrum. Next thing you know, they've got him by the hand, and they're dragging him out of the store. Well, in that moment, the kid is the leader, right? Because mom and dad didn't <laughs> intend to leave the store right then, but the child put forth enough influence. So like, we're going to get out of here. So all that, I laid all that out there. How did, where did this heart for leadership come from? And tell us how you uh, kind of a little bit about your process and what that looks like as you help leaders develop their leadership abilities. I think for me, the, the journey starts um, when I look at my past careers, I've had, I've been very blessed and that I've had some really great leaders in my time and they've been, you know, my first job was working for a small pool and spa company in Severna Park, Maryland, back when I lived on the East coast and the owner there, he, his son, I went to high school with, they got me a job helping stocking shelves and doing some light sales and he was just a really good businessman because he cared more about the people that were walking through the door and about the employees he was hiring. And he hired people um, that 
nowadays people might question uh, his choices on why he hired those people, but he gave them an opportunity and he really, really fed into them and cultivated them and made them proud of what they were doing and everything. And that was huge. And that trend has kind of continued with pretty much every leader I've had since then. I've, I've had lots of great leaders that have gone on to do great things. You know, I've worked for a development company and now that person is a, a coach in the coaching industry that organizations clamor for, um, as it would be. I've worked for uh, people that just really understood me and how I operate. I think that's really key in leadership is understanding how the people you're leading operate, how they think, how they how they move through life, um, and emphasizing that and embellishing that and allowing that to kind of go further, as it would be. Um, and that's always been really, really powerful for me. So that's kind of where it is. Like I'm, I'm a product of all these leaders. So what I want to be is now a conduit to help other leaders identify how they can be that great leader to somebody else. Like that's the biggest compliment someone can give me is like, Hey, Eric, it was great working with you. My employees absolutely love where we're going now. They, they may not love me as a person because some personalities are hard to get with, but they love what we're doing. And that has a lot of value because people, they say people leave a bad boss. They don't leave a bad job. They leave a bad boss. Right. But there's a lot of things that can cause you to be a bad boss. You know, you don't have to like everybody that you work with, but if you have a mutual respect and you understand the vision and where they're going, you can do a lot of great things that way. Absolutely. Yeah. As you, as you talked about the leaders you've, um, that have impacted you, it sounds like it's a lot of the soft skills that matter. Oh man. Soft skills are huge. Like as a hiring manager, I spent a little bit of time looking at the resume. The resume is kind of like the front door. Mm -hmm. And I'm just looking at, do you have a door? Do you have a doorknob? Do you have locks? Like if you've got the basics, nine out of 10 times, I'm going to ask and request an initial uh, interview and everything. And, and that's because I want to know those soft skills. I call them untrainable skills. Like, what is it about this person that they have that I couldn't train someone else to do? Here's a great example. When I was a manager uh, for a, a large financial company here in the Atlanta area, uh, I was building a team of agilists and scrum masters, product owners, all those kind of things. Well, I knew someone that worked in the sales department, and they weren't happy in the sales department anymore. But they had a lot of those untrainable skills that would make them a great scrum master and a great product lead. So I convinced my boss at the time to hire this person and take a chance on them. Well, I'm happy to report that not only did they come in and do an amazing job for us at that company, this person has gone on to grow their career in a lot of different areas and become someone that's very well respected in the Agile community. And to me, that's just awesome because, again, he didn't have the skills to be a scrum master. He didn't have the skills to be an agilist, but he had those unique talents that you can't train in someone to make that. And those can be just the ability to, to have a lot of empathy for someone, having a high EQ, being able to read between the lines, um, being able to take criticism and don't take it personally. Like I love constructive feedback. Mm -hmm. like, feedback is one thing, but I love constructive feedback. Like how is it going to shape me? And your construction may go in a direction that I don't want to go. So I'm going to push that off to the side. But the idea is that I can take it, you know. Mm -hmm. um, so it's those kind of skills and those kind of things that I feel are where some leaders kind of miss out because they're looking for that resume 
perfect person, you know, as it would be. And like, if you look at my resume, yeah, there's a lot of great roles that I fit into, but a lot of people also look at it and be like, oh, Eric, man, we love you. There's no college degree on here. And this role requires you to have a bachelor's and blah, blah, blah. I'm like, I got 20 some odd years of experience. <laughs> you want to go out and get a bachelor's person? Knock yourself out, you know, as it would be. But again, that's that. That's being so hard strained to those what's on paper and that trainable thing and not looking at what's the untrainable opportunity here. Yeah. Yeah. Love that. That's good stuff. Um, you've mentioned, just for, for clarity, you've mentioned agile coaching and being an agilist in the agile community. Uh, for, for listeners that may not be familiar, and for me, because I'm not super familiar, what, what exactly is all that? So, yeah. So an agilist, the agile community. So agile is a, um, it's an umbrella to multiple frameworks on how a software development company could work. So uh, you've probably, you may have heard of words like scrum or Kanban. Uh, if you're in the fortune, large companies, you may have heard of what's called scaled agile or safe lean is another form of, of agile under the big umbrella and everything, but it's just a way of working. It's how people operate and everything. Um, so much like we're both system and soul coaches, system and soul has a, has a framework on how a good business could operate, how your, your Maxwell group has frameworks on how good leadership works. It's the same thing there. It's just, this is how we would get a software development team to be more aligned and operating in a cadence and, and other things. Just again, they're just tools as it would be. Cool. Got it. Got it. Got it. What is, is your, as you're talking with your customers, business owners, small business owners, what are you seeing out there as kind of the, the, the big challenge? If you, if you were to pick one, like, man, everybody's dealing with this or two, what's, what's the market telling you these days? I mean, from what I'm seeing, a lot of it is I'm seeing a lot of business owners that are growing in their organization and growing in their companies, but they're still holding too tight onto doing so much. You know, they got started probably as a solopreneur, as a small business where they were the top dog doing most everything. Mm -hmm. You know, they were making the sales calls, they were managing the books, they were hiring and, and managing people. And as they've grown up, maybe they've outsourced or they've uh, handed off a couple of those operational pieces, um, but they're still holding on to something else. And it, it's understanding like why, you know, what is it that you're holding on to? Because you're not happy. You know, that's, that's something that we, we see a lot is they're just, they're not happy. You know, I've heard other people call them prisoners, you know, as it would be and everything. Um, and that's, that's important because when you're, you started that company because you love doing whatever it is it is, or you saw a need and you felt like you could fill that need. Well, now we're three, five, 10 years later in that company. How are you doing on that? Have you met that need? Are you getting closer to what your goals were? And if you're not, what is it? What's holding you back? What's keeping you from, from achieving those things? Are you, are you holding on to too much? Are you not sharing enough of the, the, the wealth of the operational stuff that you've got to do? You know, are you trying to do something just because you don't think everybody else can do it as good as you, but you haven't taken the time to train somebody maybe to do it as good as you, or maybe they can do it better and you just can't see that because you've got the blinders on. Um, so that, that to me is really where it is, is just getting out of our own ways. And I think this happens in so many different areas of life, you know, not just leaders in an organization, it could be managers in an organization too, 
as it would be. Sure, sure, sure. And they, you, you described that well, that this notion of hanging on, I, I, I have to do this, I have to take care of it. And, and you mentioned prison and, um, I think that's an apt description. Like, like you feel they feel trapped or stuck or in prison like this. Exactly. Especially the business owners, they start out with the sense like at least folks I've talked to, they get into business because hey, they're good at something. They see a need, but also they, it's this sense like I want freedom. I want to be my own boss, right? So they get in it for freedom. And yeah, three, five years into it, there's they don't feel like there's any freedom at all. They get stuck in the in the stuff they don't like doing. Um, how do they recognize that? So for, for, for the business owners that are listening, um, do, is it a, like, should they recognize it or like, like, what is it? What are some of the telltale signs? I, I think listening to this, they're probably a little bit looking at it and going, yeah, that's not me. And I'm like, whatever it is. I mean, if I'm not, I, one of two things, either you're dismissing this like that. It's like, nope, not me. I'm fine. I've got a great team. I've got great people. Or you're mad at me. You know, you're like, who is this guy? What right does he have to say this to people? He doesn't know my business. He doesn't know who I am. I don't. But I guess I guarantee you, you don't fully know your business either. You don't fully know what all is going on either. Um, and I know this because I've been that guy in the trenches in companies where I've seen the huge disconnect where everybody in the office is talking about a and the business leader is focused on Z and we're so far apart and he can't figure out, or she can't figure out why we aren't getting alignment. Why are we not moving forward? Why aren't people doing just doing what I think they should do or say they should do? Um, and that's because there becomes a layer. I think as you grow in an organization where you get so far up, it's hard to see below. Think of it like a decks on a boat or a boat in the ocean. Okay. If you're on the lower deck and look over the side, you can probably see down what is it like 10 feet before the sunlight zone disappears and you can't see anything. Let's sure. just go with that. Sure. Let's just assume Eric knows what he's talking about on that one. Now, if I go up higher on that boat, though, I'm now separating myself from the surface of the water. So when I look down, I don't see as deep. But not only that, the stuff that is in the water, I don't see it as clearly as down below. So that's why it's really important sometimes for leaders, they got to step down and step back and get down in the trenches or talk to people that know really what's going down the trenches and create that safe area where they can be vulnerable and really tell you what's really going on and really what people think. You know, we do NPS scores, you do surveys. Those are all great. And you're probably going to get some feedback from them, but you got to get down there and really into it and everything like that. So yeah, if, if you're mad and not liking what I I'm talking about, come prove me wrong. I'd love to talk to you. <laughs> I told, I told, I told, a I told a group the other day, you know, they were like, Hey, what are you looking for from, from, you know, uh, clients? I'm like, I'm looking for people that think their business is perfect. I'm looking for business people that think that their business is great. Cause my challenge is I bet you it's not. And let's spend some time figuring out if I'm right or wrong. And if I'm wrong, how happy are you going to be? If I'm right, how much happier are you going to be later on? <laughs> Eric, that's awesome. How did so? In, there's a lot of there's a lot of um, people, a lot of demographics you could serve in this world. How'd you land on small businesses? Um, mainly because you know running a small business it helps. You know you're in that ecosystem. You know kind of what the day to day struggles are as it would be. But also, I've worked for large enterprises. 
And while I believe that what we do and how we do it has a lot of effect in those large enterprises and you know, I've worked with some some business units inside of a large organization and, and help there and everything as well. But I just love the idea and the tactility of a small business. The fact that you can make a change and within a shorter time period, see the effects of that change. You get better, faster feedback. And I'm a big feedback person, mm-hmm. if you haven't figured that already. So like in a small organization, you can make a change and pretty much see what's going to happen in a quarter or less if it's good. In a large enterprise, you can make a change in a business unit and you might see change in a quarter. Typically, it's probably going to be two, maybe three quarters till you really feel that change as it would be, unless you're making drastic changes. And then you just got chaos for a quarter or two before it all settles down. Um, and, and that's the other thing is like in a smaller business, chaos is minimized. You know, the disruption that you do is minimized and you can fail and get it back up on your feet so much quicker as it would be. So it's just fun. It's a great place to experiment. Uh, and, and the people are just more open to ideas, you know, because they're trying to get one up on the next guy, on the guy next to them, you know, and whatever they can do to get that one up, they're going to give it a try. And if the, the risk reward is there, they're all about it. I love that. Absolutely love that. Yeah. 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 As you were, as you were talking about the, um, making the changes, what came to mind is, if you if you had a, a fist sized stone and you throw that in the ocean, you really don't even see the ripples. But if you mm-hmm. throw that in a small, in like in a small pond or a puddle, it doesn't take long for those r- ripples to hit the shore, right? So so when oh, you yeah. talk about the changes in a small business, like you get that feedback right away. Yep, and that's what I love because I think that's how you get change. In order to change, you have to try something but then you have to monitor it and then you have to kind of do a retrospective or a look back and say, okay, was this the results that we expected? I mean, marketing people do this all the time. They do it in AB testing. They do it in experiments. Product people do it as well. Leaders need to start figuring that as well. I'm going to try this experiment, time box it, see what happens. This is what I expect to happen. And then go back and say, okay, is what you expected to happen actually happening or is it going in a different path? And if so, is that a good path or a bad path? How do you want to adjust for the next next experiment as it would be? Yeah. I, I think the, the time boxing thing you mentioned is super important for this for that discussion. Uh, the tendency sometimes is we're going to try something and one or two things happens um, with, with us small business owners than the visionaries particularly. Either we're going to try something and it may be something that's going to take 90 days to start working, but 40 days into it, we see something else, some other shiny object, and we abandon it mm. like halfway through. Uh, or we say we're going to try this, and we and we just doggedly hang on to it. Much, you know, it it, it should have worked in ninety days, and we're a year and a half into it, still like, well, this thing's going to work, and just dragging ourselves and our team through the mud. Yeah, and I think that's so industry specific too, and you got to look at that. I think as well because in some industries. You know, long term experiments are, are needed. Like if you're in the aeronautical industry or the space industry, you know, you're going to spend years developing things and it's OK for that. If you're in the IT software industry, you spend years on anything. By the time you finally get it out there, it's obsolete, mm-hmm. you know, so really looking at your industry and looking at what the appetite is for your customers and your industry as well, I think is important. And like is 90 days too long? 
And if we're if we're constantly bailing on something 45 days into 90 days, then what experiments can we come up with that are only 45 days long? What is something smaller that you can do? You know, because we always try to chunk things up into calendars and be like, okay, well, what are we going to do this quarter? You know, mm-hmm. and that's great. Let's figure out something we can do a quarter. But as you know, let's measure some, let's measure it weekly. If we can't measure it weekly, maybe it's too big for us to do. If we're waiting for all the results at the end and we can't see that litmus test in the middle or somewhere else, then that's, that's a problem. We need to look into that probably. Yeah. Yeah. Makes sense. So as a business owner yourself, what, what are some of the, what are the top one or two challenges you face? So I'll be honest, I'm afraid to answer that because I'm just afraid of who's going to hear this. And I'm going to start getting all kinds of emails of people selling me and offering me how to solve that problem, you know? (laughs) But I mean, seriously, though, I mean, I think it's what every other um, small business owner feels. It's just the areas that I'm weak in. Like, where am I not strong in? And what do we do? Like, for me, uh, probably my my one of my weaknesses is just that idea of you know, prospecting, you know, and cold calling. Like I, I like relationships so much that it's hard for me to just cold reach out to someone or to just randomly start talking. Like I'd rather them sit down and talk to me about their business all day long. Like I, I once was asked if you could do anything in the world, what would you do? And my answer has historically been for years now is sit in a coffee shop across from somebody listening to their problems and dreams and then helping them achieve it. I'm finally doing that a little bit, but it's like, how do you get people to go to the coffee shop with you? You know, it's that. So that's to me is one of my struggles is, is that idea of prospecting and everything like that. Um, uh, that, and sometimes I'm just too nice. I will wholeheartedly admit it. I can just be way too nice and I give too much information to where they don't need me anymore. Or, you know, I drop the prices and now I'm, I'm not making as much as is valuable to me. And, and so there's all those balances, you know, uh, as an organization that we all struggle with and everything, but I take it every day, one client at a time. And I always approach every client as a new independent opportunity. And I try to really work and see like, what's going to work best for this person? You know, what, what can I do to bring value to them? Cause if I'm not bringing value, then I'm not worth, it's not worth my time and it's not worth your time. Right. Right. Ha- yeah. Have to be able to provide value. Uh, I, so the folks can't see that you, you saw me start to smile and chuckle a little bit when you described your, your ideal day. Like that, that's exactly my ideal day. Like let's, let's, yeah. you know what, let's, let's have coffee. Let's, let's, let's see what's, well, I have, what's on your mind and how can, how can, how can we overcome exactly, it? Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Well, like, like most good companies, I have multiple brands, you know, that, that I operate with and everything. So renovate leadership is, is primarily focused on the business and the organization, mm-hmm. but I also have coffee cup coaching. And coffee cup coaching is one-on-one, you know, it's more intended for, um, young professionals, managerial professionals, senior leadership, all those kind of things. And, and that, that company idea came and was born from the idea of sitting at a coffee shop. Let's just talk. That is awesome. So you, as you were um, talking about your challenges, you, you mentioned the word balance once and that, um, must have triggered a thought about about balance. You are a husband, you're a dad, mm-hmm. and you've been a, you're a business owner, you've been a business owner. How do you how do you make all that work effectively? Well, do you make that all work effectively? And if you feel like you do, how? So um my life's perfect, right? You know, I've got it all together. Isn't that what I'm supposed to say? Um 
and, but to my own challenge that I posted earlier, it's a facade. You know, I don't have it all together. I don't have it all figured out. And balance is something we all struggle with, you know, and I think it's real. I think the key though is I'm starting to identify and have identified people that can help support me in the areas that I need to support. So my wife is my number one supporter. She's my biggest champion and she's the reason I do what I do because mm-hmm. she encourages me. She gives me the time that I need. Um, you know, she will sacrifice some of our time together in order for me to focus on the business or other things. Um, and then I do the same thing. I will focus, I will, I will sacrifice something for my business in order to focus more with my family and my, my friends and everything as well. Uh, and to me, that's just the biggest thing is, is recognizing that, that idea of balance, work-life balance. It's, it's really more of just finding out how to make them coexist in a way that doesn't stress you out. And that's the hard thing because we can become workaholics and then our family's going to suffer. We can focus 100% on our family and then our work's going to suffer. And there is no balance. It's not like the scales where it's 50% here and 50% there. It really is dynamic. You know, when I wake up in the morning, business is the last thing on my mind. It's all about my family, getting my girls ready for school, getting my wife help out the door to go to work. And then when I come downstairs, I've got an hour or two where it's just strictly business. Mm-hmm. And I don't think about the family and things like that. Lunchtime, I'm back to family guy again. Dinner time, back to family guy. So it, it's just that give and take and that balancing, just figuring out what rhythm works well for you and your business. You know, yeah. everybody's a little bit different. Don't try to mimic someone else's. Don't take my game plan and apply it to your life because my life is not your life. Just like my business isn't your business. You know, we're both coaches, but I guarantee you that my systems and processes aren't going to work for you, Todd, and your systems and processes aren't going to work for me. But we could probably learn from each other, and that's important. And that's what I always stress as well. Never stop learning. Always ask questions. I talk to dads all the time. I'm a member of dad groups, dads with daughters, you know, like always trying to learn something new to help me be better as it would be. That's awesome. The, 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 yeah, the notion of always learning and trying to, trying to be better and, and both professionally and personally. So when, when, um, I'm in a couple of men's groups and we pray for each other. And when, when asked, you know, what, what can I pray for? Every time part of my answer is that I'd be a better dad and a better husband tomorrow than I am today, better today than I was yesterday. And that that would just continue to evolve and grow because admittedly, uh, I fall short. I, sure. I, so, so love that you included that trying to get better peace in there. Yeah. Uh, the other thing that came, so I go back and forth on this work-life balance thing because I don't, like you said, is it achievable? Uh, some for a while I was like, okay, there's no work-life balance, but there is work-life harmony um, mm-hmm. where, where they they work together and it kind of flows. Um, now I've gone back to the balance model and thinking of a teeter-totter. And time-wise, there I don't think they're ever going to be rare for time-wise to 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 have that balance out. Right, six hours work, yep. six hours family. So now we have to get into the intentionality of it. And so work for most of us is going to take up a lot of our waking hours. So when we are spending time with family, we need to wait that. We need to be very intentional about it. Shut the work brain down, get rid of the technology and just be present with our families. Yeah. And I think that's really, really important too. Because the idea that for me is like, I recognized early on that work and life, family and friends hobbies and passions, they can't coexist at the same time and moment in space. Now you can combine them a little bit here and there. Like I'm passionate about Star Wars, so I can 
sit there and watch a Star Wars movie with my daughters and I'm combining a little bit of family with Star Wars. But if I'm being honest, I'm more into the Star Wars movie than I am into my daughter, maybe at the time. We're certain scenes, you know, Appreciate except for when Jar Jar Binks is on. Like Jar Jar Binks comes on, I'm going to go get popcorn, you know, as it would be. Uh, no, I love Jar Jar. Don't get me wrong, you know. Um, but that's the idea, I think, is like it's a sliding scale, you know, and and I don't think we're ever going to have the answer. And if that's all we ever pursue is like just like you say, just be the best in the moment of what you're trying to be. Like if I'm trying to be a boss, I want to be the boss, best boss in that moment. Mm. I'm trying to be a dad. I want to be the best dad in that moment. Right now, I'm a podcast, uh, you know, not a host. What am I? I'm a podcast guest, you know. I'm trying to be the best podcast guest I can be for you, Todd. You know, that's all I want. I'm not trying to be the host. I don't want to flip this around and start interviewing you. That would be rude, you know. So it, it's just, again, just be the best of what you want to be in the moment that you're being in. That's a perfect place to start wrapping this up. Uh, that was so well said. And Thank you. Yeah. And we, the collective, we, we missed so many wonderful moments because we're not just being the, being in that moment and trying to be the best we can at whatever we're doing at that time. So thank you for that. A um, couple things. Uh, first, for, for our listeners that want more Eric Ryan Jones that want to contact you, check out your websites, give us, give us the lowdown on where we can find you. Yeah. So uh, LinkedIn, so linkedin.com slash N slash Eric Ryan Jones, or just search Eric Ryan Jones on LinkedIn. Uh, that's, that's one quick way to find me. Um, the domain for my website is renovateleadership.com. Um, I think you can even get there if you type in ericryanjones.com. Or it may that may rush you to my other coaching one, but either way, you can get a hold of me. Either way, that one and everything, and then it's just Eric at renovateleadership.com if you want to email me. Um, I don't really do a lot of the other social medias. You know, I've got a Twitter account out there, but I don't really follow it or do much. So um, the best way is, hey, reach out. Let's let's chat. I, you know, I'm all about having good time, good talks, and everything. Fantastic. Uh, well, before I let you go, if you would share with our audience one important or impactful question you would have them walk away with? What should they be thinking of? Why? Uh, it's a simple question. Just question. The curiosity in the word why is so amazing. You know, like, why, why should I talk to Eric? Why should I talk to Todd? Why should I listen to these guys? You know, you start asking the why question, you start answering it for yourself. You know, you start discovering things. You know, um, I always tell people that I work with, you know, when when a new idea is handed to you uh, or a new opportunity is handed to you, I, I knee-jerk reaction and say no right off the bat. And that's not because I don't want to do whatever they're proposing, but it's like I have to limit my intake. But I immediately, immediately follow up, no, but why should I? And 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 that extra why should I can open the door for all kinds of different things you didn't think about. I mean, perfect example is, the other day, I got hit up on LinkedIn by a random person that said, hey, I do blah, 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 you know, the typical, you know, contacts that we get 14 times a day about trying to grow your business, sell you something or whatever. Um, and there was something about the messaging in it. And uh, they said, hey, if you're available right now, I'm actually available. So I said, why not? Like, what have I got to lose? I'm not really doing anything right now. I got 30 minutes. Why not? So I sent him a Zoom link. We got on and we become friends. Like uh, he's a great contact. He's a great person now. We learned so much about 
he lives in the state that my family is from. They're they're both in Arkansas. I mean, what are the chances that I'm going to run into somebody on LinkedIn randomly from Arkansas, of all places? Um, and and that wouldn't have happened if I didn't ask that why question. And I think that's so important that curiosity. You know, so whatever you're struggling with, whatever you're thinking about, just ask yourself why. Why love it, Eric? Thank you so much for the gift of your time and for sharing your wisdom today. This has been amazing. So thank you for being here. Well, thanks for having me, Todd. You're doing a wonderful thing here. I, I'm, I'm looking to many, many future episodes. Awesome. Thanks, Eric. Listeners, thank you so much for being here. Uh, would be no point without you. So appreciate the gift of your time. Thanks for tuning in. Thanks for listening. Whatever grand vision you've been given, whatever dream God has put on your heart, remember, you can. Until next time, be bold, be humble, stay healthy, stay hopeful, and live life strong. Peace to all. Well, thank you so much for listening. For even more on turning trials into triumphs and seeking and embracing success, go to toddhalls.life. That's toddhalls.life. And I look forward to serving you. Until next time, be strong, be bold, be humble, stay healthy, stay hopeful. Peace to you.